0: Welcome to the Collider.com podcast. I'm Collider.com senior editor, Matt Goldberg, and with me is managing editor, Adam Chitwood. Howdy, folks. Today, we'll be talking about a couple of DC movies. We'll lead things off by talking about the new Birds of Prey movie. I'll say the whole title this once. Birds of (laughs) Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And that's it. It's just Birds of Prey from now on. Thank and, you. And then uh, after that, we are going to talk a little bit about Batman Mask of the Phantasm because Adam finally saw it this past weekend and didn't love it. And people will not <laughs> people, people will not abide that. People are
1: mad. <laughs> people are mad. And I need people to explain to me why this movie is great. So we'll yeah. have a discussion about this animated Batman cartoon.
0: All cartoons are animated, I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I knew it as soon as I was saying it, but I committed to the bin.
0: All right, so let's lead off talking about Birds of Prey. You know, Birds of Prey, um, the story with Birds of Prey post its release has been about how it underperformed at the box office. Um, And I think there's something, I mean, I think we can talk about, you know, why that was, you know, is it, did people understand it was a Harley Quinn spinoff? Is it how, you know, can you get people interested uh, with that cast? um was it unfair expectations you know against that film um but i want to talk more first i mean we can talk about sort of the the box office i guess but i wanted to talk first about the film itself and and adam i wanted to kind of get your thoughts uh, on birds of prey
1: yeah i liked this movie quite a bit um you know i i went in with fairly low expectations because the buzz on it was kind of so so kind of not great but it looked pretty fun um but my fiance was super excited about it. And I don't know, I just ended up having a, a lot of fun with it. It's, uh, you know, obviously is derivative of a few other types of films, notably the films of Quentin Tarantino. There's definitely a Deadpool vibe to it as well. Um, but I just think, I think Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn is a movie star. I think that character is just so uh, fun to watch and interesting and engaging. And I felt like Kathy Ann. And the screenwriter Christina Hodson found a really interesting way to make her the star of the movie, while also giving her um, kind of an emotional arc. Like she, it is an emancipation movie. She is trying to discover like who is she without the Joker. So it's not kind of like fuck all men, leave them all behind. It's kind of like my identity has been so tied to this man for so long. Um, who am I in the in the world without him? And we see kind of the, um, the struggles of that towards the beginning of the film, um, of her, you know, kind of drinking and, uh, you know, uh, her life of crime and trying to get away with the stuff that she could get away with when she was with Joker. Um, but it's really not until she, um, you know, befriends this young girl and then uh you know eventually teams up with the birds of prey that she kind of finds her own identity separate from the joker and and kind of comes to see you know these other women are living lives separate from men um in different ways but they're all looking for emancipation in different ways i mean huntress uh isn't tied to a man but her life is driven by revenge black canary is kind of um you know, deadly tied to Black Mask um, at being his employee and, you know, the risk of death uh, um, for leaving him. And then Renee Montoya, the detective in the um, kind of male driven Gotham City Police Department, um, trying to kind of find her own way apart where she keeps getting um, superseded in, in terms of promotions and in terms of credit and stuff like that. So I thought it was interesting to see their lives also weaved through this kind of whole emancipation theme. I think that obviously Harley is the star, which means some of those characters get a bit short changed because they are supporting characters. I think the film really comes alive in its third act when they are all together, and it takes a little bit to get there and and there's all the you know it 's not a perfect film. I think the story kind of drags a little bit towards the middle and and it gets a little old the kind of bending backwards of the narrative gets a bit um rote when it keeps happening. Um, again, that kind of Tarantino influence coming in there, uh, with the nonlinear storytelling. Um, but I don't know, ultimately I just, you know, I had a big smile on my face on it and I had a ton of fun with it, which is more than I can say for, uh, Justice League especially, but also, you know, something like Batman versus Superman, which is not a fun movie. That movie is a dirge. Uh, And I I, I genuinely, uh, you know, kind of like the extended version of Batman versus mm -hmm. Superman, but it's not a fun movie. And it it was just nice to have this kind of DC movie that is fun.
0: Yeah. I definitely think that in terms of, you know, the Harley Quinn character, and I agree, I think Margot Robbie has quickly made this character her own in the same way that I would say like, you know, like Wolverine belongs to Hugh Jackman right now. And, and, uh, you know, that kind of level, uh, I think Margot Robbie completely understands, you know, this take on Harley Quinn. And I think she fits the role really well. I also think Birds of Prey uses the character much better than Suicide Squad. I think Suicide Squad is—I mean, we've talked about that. Suicide Squad is trash.
1: Yeah, uh, that movie is a mess. Just in terms of like, so that movie—I guess we should address it. Like, that movie is "quote unquote" fun, but it's trying too hard, if that makes any sense. And also is just a mess narratively. Like it doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. Like I think birds of prey, like it traces back on itself and, 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 and I think it, I think sometimes it kind of does too many kind of loop de loops, but it, it at least holds like, I like birds of prey. I'm like, I always understand like what is happening. Like this always makes sense. There's no like, wait, you're going to create the pro create a team to solve the problem that you created by creating the team. like, there's no, like, people don't act like giant dummies. I'll put it that way, <laughs> yeah. like they do in Suicide Squad. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, Birds of Prey, I had some issues with it in terms of the ways it felt derivative. But it's also a film, like, I kind of liked the idea of it. And I, I agree. And the fact that it did hold together thematically went a long way with me. The fact that, like, these characters are all together because they have something in common and not just because they were picked at random, Uh, I think that helped bring everything together, especially as you mentioned in the third act. Um, But it is sort of a, it is sort of an interesting film in terms of like looking at how Warner Brothers is handling their DC movies Uh, because this is now we are, we are firmly out of the wake of justice league where everything kind of went tits up and (laughs) they were just sort of like, okay, we need to rethink this. And last year, uh, or the last two years we sort of saw, okay, things are going to be in a more, you know, fun direction. So you had like Aquaman in 2018, uh, and that was supposed to be more fun and, and more wild. And eh, you know, some people really love Aquaman. I'm not one of them. I think it's kind I of, keep
1: for, I keep forgetting it exists. Yeah.
0: I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of rote and by the numbers. I think Jason Momoa is fun, but I think the film itself is overly long, uh, and f- far too tied to a standard hero myth to be particularly interesting. Um, and then Shazam, which has moments of darkness that don't really fit, but for the most part, it has a very clear idea of what it wants to be, which is big with superheroes. And I'm like, You're, you you did the thing you wanted. And I think Shazam and Aquaman are like, we're having fun. and And so Birds of Prey is like, let's have fun. But Birds of Prey is a little more curious because... Aquaman and Shazam are kind of in their own space. They can kind of be their own thing. Whereas we as viewers know there's an entire Batman universe out there. And Suicide Squad is like, yeah, Batman is here. There's a Batman. And for no reason. For no reason, but it's like Batman is here. Like Batman exists. And Bridge of Prey is like, there is no Batman. We we could blow up Ace Chemicals with no repercussions because there uh, really yeah. – there is no Batman. Yeah. Uh, if there is a Batman, he is not seen um, or he's busy doing something else. And it kind of made me fascinated because we do have a Batman movie coming next year that I'm pretty sure will not connect to anything else DC is doing. <laughs> yeah, Can you imagine like them trying
1: to thread the Batman through the needle of like the muddled DCU so far?
0: He's a, you know, that's the thing, like, you know, Bat, it, on the one hand, I'm sort of like, oh, wouldn't that be cool to sort of be like Batman interacts with these other characters and, and what have you. But like, the thing is, is that Batman's universe is sort of so bombastic that in a weird way, it, I don't want to say it doesn't need him, but you can kind of tell stories without him in a way that I think Sony is going to have trouble doing without Spider-Man because I yeah. don't think Spider-Man's universe is as bombastic. I don't think, even though he does have a deep rogues gallery, I don't think, you know, the saga of Dr. Octopus is as really, you know, I don't really, you know, or a sinister six is necessarily as captivating without Spider-Man. Whereas this is like Harley Quinn is colorful. And like, I think these characters have kind of taken on a life independent of Batman. And then Batman is just doing his own thing. Would I like to see, you know, a Catwoman a film like a, like at one point there were all these Harley Quinn movies and one was like Gotham city sirens, which is Harley Quinn, poison Ivy and Catwoman. And I think that that would have been an interesting sort of thread. It's like, Ooh, would you, you know, then cast Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman in this Gotham city mm-hmm. sirens. And, but that's never going to happen. And I don't even know what happens now with, with Margot Robbie and Harley Quinn because of the fact that birds of prey kind of tanked, um, and so, I wouldn't like, say
1: a tank. I wouldn't say a tank. I, I wouldn't
0: take it. Underperformed. That's. I'm. I'm being hyperbolic. It underperformed relative to expectations.
1: Yeah and like i mean even looking at something like Shazam like that had a bigger opening weekend but that movie still ended up with like 300 and like 80 million worldwide which was short of expectations like mm-hmm. you know that's following aquaman which grossed over a billion dollars and you can say that like oh you know jason momoa appeared in previous movies so that's what led it to i don't think anyone saw justice league and was like you know i, I don't think anyone was like oh i'm a big fan of justice league therefore i'm going to see aquaman I think it was more, you know, the the character and the marketing that way.
0: The character but, and the marketing, and also the December release date.
1: Yeah, and so the fact remains that, like, I I think that you can compare Birds of Prey to Shazam in terms of like, is this movie successful? And Birds of Prey has grossed, uh, I think, over 145 million dollars worldwide already. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of weeks in, yes, it's you know underwhelming, but uh, I mean, I think they should have gone pg 13 with it. I think that's one of the big problems. Is you you left out a big audience, a big potential audience there that
0: can't go right. to it, and that's and that and that's frustrating because I don't think like I, like a character like Deadpool probably does have to be rated R because his whole yeah. thing is I am irreverent, I do not hold to the bounds of what you know as a superhero character. Whereas Birds of Prey, it's like yeah, there yeah, I you can get a I I don't know I. I understand they wanted it to be a little more violent, a little more harder edge, but I think also they were hoping, especially with this February release date, it's like, oh, we'll have our own Deadpool. Yeah. And I I think that was a mistake. I think this note, I think that's a, again, leave it to studios to misread the landscape and just be like, oh, an R superhero. Well, that's a thing now. And not yeah. realizing like why certain characters work and and why others don't.
1: Well, and it's such an interesting, fun character, and I think ultimately the message of the film would be good for young girls to see. And when you see the movie, like, it doesn't really need to be R. Like, there are, like, a couple of pretty extreme violent shots in it that you could probably pull out, and then a couple of F-bombs that don't really need to be there. Um, But otherwise, you know, I think it works well. And a lot of... And this is something that I think we probably need to discuss is there does seem to be a bit of a gender divide on the film. um, Absolutely. Yeah. Women liking it more than men, which is entirely fine. Like I went to see it with uh, my fiance and another couple and me and the other guy liked it quite a bit, but the girls loved it and uh, all of their friends, you know, were really excited to see it, really enjoyed it, had a ton of fun with it. And I think there's something to be said for seeing a movie like this up on the screen that women don't get to see very often. Um, And that's something that you can't just negate by, like, well, you know, it wasn't great for me, therefore it's not a great
0: thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, you definitely have to take yourself out of the headspace of, like, my opinion is the only opinion that matters because Uh it didn't – because I could not relate to it. And I think, honestly, I I, I like, like, the niche that Birds of Prey is trying to fill because – it's not just a film that appeals to women, but it also appeals to women in a different way than I think something like Wonder Woman appeals to them because exactly. yeah. Wonder Woman is like a paragon of virtue, whereas Birds of Prey is like, you can be a group of fuck-ups and that's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Birds of Prey offers more personality and not to say that like Wonder Woman doesn't have her own personality. It's just very different.
1: Yeah, I saw some men being like, well, I loved Wonder Woman, therefore I can't be sexist when I say that Birds of Prey sucks. It's like, that's not really how that works. But also, they're two very different movies. It's like saying, you know, The Dark Knight and Deadpool are the same movie, therefore, because they are comic book movies.
0: Like, nah, not really. Yeah. No, they're each trying to do different things. And like, we can talk about like how successful is Birds of Prey, you know, at, at what it attempts. And I think Birds of Prey... The thing that 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 gets under my skin is I think it it should be more of its own thing. I think it's in, mm-hmm. it's headed in the right directions, and so when it does try to be like Tarantino or try to be like Deadpool, I'm like you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to fit into a box that was previously successful when you have these sort of lively characters who, as as you can see from the third act, when they're together, we like them. You know, yeah. so.
1: Yeah. There are some gags that don't work as well, but then there are some gags that are so good that it kind of makes it all worth it. Like the, the sandwich gag, I think it's just brilliant. Like that's a really good joke that's layered throughout the film. Um, and just a really funny, relatable way to kind of open the movie and to introduce the character of Harley Quinn and like kind of understand what she's all about. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, they get, I I think, you know, there's definitely good inspirations in there and, um, You know, I I, again, I it's it's sort of the film where I'm a little annoyed because I I'm hoping because the narrative of it, and I've on this very podcast episode played into that narrative that the film is a failure. When as you have pointed out, it is not. It is doing perfectly fine at the box office. Um, just not. It's just beneath expectations. I would like to see another Birds of Prey movie because I like these characters. I like seeing them together. I would like to see them go again and like you, you know those kind of films where it's like oh you guys kind of started to get there and i think a sequel would really help hammer out like you would you you'd hammer out the kinks you know like you'd, <laughs> you if you gave if you gave them a second chance you probably would get a sequel that's stronger than the original um but unfortunately yeah. it doesn't work that way what you usually get is the first film has to be amazing and then the sequel will be will pale in comparison it's all backwards yeah.
1: Yeah, and as you said, I'm curious to see where things go from here. I think that undoubtedly Margot Robbie is inseparable from the character, and she's already got another um, major reprisal of, uh, of Harley Quinn in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. So I, I don't think this franchise is over. I don't think this character is over. I think that movie will probably do extremely well um, based on James Gunn's name recognition and the fact that the first Suicide Squad was a bad movie and made a ton of money.
0: Yeah, and also this one is PG-13, plus it has sort of like kind of an outlandish cast. and I think Do we know that it's PG-13? I was, was under it? the impression it was – you know, it might be rated R. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. For some reason, I was under the impression it was PG-13. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. I will say I do like that Warner Brothers allowed this movie to be R. I don't mm-hmm. think it should have been, but I like that they weren't so stringent. And I think we're seeing them like kind of loosen up the, um, the leash a little bit in terms of the DC Universe and let people do what they want. Right. As evidenced by the fact that Matt Reeves appears to be doing whatever the fuck he
0: wants. Like, well, they're taking—they're basically doing what Fox was doing with their X-Men properties, which is basically yeah. saying, like, we're gonna not worry so much about continuity. We're not gonna worry so much about an, uh, a cinematic universe. We're gonna say, tell your stories with these characters, and we'll just take it on a film by film basis.
1: Yeah. Which I think is the absolute right and smart way to do it. I mean, before Fox got gobbled up by Disney, I, you know, I think we were all singing the praises of what they were doing with their Marvel comics adaptations. Even if you didn't like Deadpool, you couldn't deny that it was radically different from any Marvel comics adaptation that, uh, had existed before it and was just a very different track and absolutely did not fit in with like X-Men first class and stuff like that. Um, so it was exciting that they were allowing that to do that and then obviously Logan um probably their most successful gamble. And you know, Dark Phoenix not as successful, but
0: uh well it's kind of but, funny, you know, like the 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 gambles that the studios have been making over the past few years, the most success the most notably successful ones were the R-rated movies that cost 50 million dollars and it was Deadpool and Joker. Yes, you know. Yeah. And like, I don't like Joker. I don't think Joker is very good, but it was like sort of Warner Brothers saying, okay, let's not spend too much on this, but let's give it a go. Let's not, let's not be so precious with the notion of what superheroes need to be because we're, we're not going to keep trying to chase Marvel. Like they are their own thing. And we're, we just, we're not going to try to keep chasing that.
1: Yeah, and I do wonder if maybe Birds of Prey would have benefited from a bit of a smaller budget because it does seem to get, like, a little bit too... Like, I don't know. Like, the action in the movie is really good, but I uh, got a little tired of it after a little while. I was like, ah, you could probably take a set piece out of this movie.
0: And yeah, I, yeah it's, Birds of Prey budget is, is a little... Uh, it's kind of an odd duck because it isn't... Like, I think it costs 85 and like, and then I'm not sure what the reshoots cost. Um, I'm not sure where... How'd you, ch- how you would chop it down
1: <laughs> is yeah. the
0: question. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know like how you'd make it cheaper, uh, without sa- significant. Like, I think you'd, at that point you have to sacrifice a character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does not- Victor Zaz really need to be in this movie? <laughs> No. If they're not going to go full
1: on, like, yes, Black Mask is gay with Victor's ass, then what's the I point? I hate
0: that? that so much. Like, I don't hate the fact that they the gay, like our they, they are characters are gay. I'm like, okay, but make it a thing. Like, don't just yeah. say it and then – Just know- have the kiss. Like, there was a point where they were about to kiss. Like, just do the
1: thing and then it's move on. It's,
0: you know, the thing that gets under my skin about it is the whole reason that they're not doing that is because they is because they're worried about the homophobia of international audiences. Like, oh – If we have them kissed, then we can't show, you know, what they're doing. You know, I can't show this movie in China or I have to chop the scene out. Like, it's this whole thing. It's just so... And then, so they kind of want credit, but by doing the bare minimum. And I'm just, like, over here being like, make it gay, you cowards.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's a consideration to take into effect um, uh, regarding the budgets of these films. Like, Mm -hmm. the new Mulan movie that's coming out... um, there are changes being made to the live action version of that story that are not that are done specifically to appease chinese audience audiences and that are done specifically in uh reaction to how chinese audiences responded to the animated film in terms of like this is incorrect or this would never happen or this is uh you know not something that uh we um you know do in our culture which is fine but like it's very much a movie being made to make sure that it tailors to uh, this very specific audience. Whereas if, you, whereas, if you have a budget of fifty million dollars, you don't really have to worry as much because if it's just a domestic hit, then you've got a profit. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I yeah. There, there's just there are all these sort of considerations to take. You know that you have to put into place. But you know, it's you're you're trying. And I get. And I get as a studio head, like you're trying to sort of appeal. You know, there's a lot of a lot you have to take into consideration. I just kind of, I hate the sort of the posturing that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's what gets under my skin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, so I'm trying to think is, you know, with birds of prey, like, again, I'd like to see them follow up on this, you know, what's interesting. And I guess we should talk a little bit about this before we, before we head into the past to talk <laughs> about mask of the phantasm. Like what is DC's upcoming slate look like? And so let's see, there is the suicide squad, which we mentioned from James Gunn. Yeah. Which Um, I think
1: would be a pretty huge movie. That could be pretty huge. I think Wonder
0: Woman 1984 could be a huge film this summer.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm very excited for that. And I know a lot of people are as well.
0: Yeah. And then, um, and then of course there's the Batman, which, you know, people are like, another Batman film. And I'm like, you do like, and I get it. Like, you know uh, oh. another film, but like Batman hasn't had a solo film s- since 2012. It's been a minute. Yeah. It, and you don't have to watch it. Like that's the other that's thing. What, like no one's saying like oh you're legally required. Like don't so, don't just don't go see it.
1: That's what like some people, some friends of mine were saying that they were like we don't even need a new like why are they making another Batman movie? I'm like they just listen, listen. They are gonna make Batman movies until the world ends. Like that's just the way it works. So wouldn't you rather have someone like Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves doing it. Like isn't that kind of exciting? Like if we have to go through this, isn't it at least kind of interesting that, you know, uh they're they've put together this incredible ensemble cast and you've got somebody who makes just really wild choices like Robert Pattinson in the lead.
0: And also I like, think that's worth being excited about I agree. And also like Batman has been around for eighty years for a reason. He's a pretty elastic character. Like he has yeah. it's not like, oh well we exhausted all Batman stories. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh no, we're out of stories to tell with Batman.
0: So. I think, yeah.
1: Uh, I think it should it should be pretty interesting, but I'm also very interested to to find out like exactly what the fuck was going on with this movie, because <laughs> I remember Matt Reeves came in as the replacement director when Ben Affleck was still quote unquote supposed to mm-hmm. star. Yeah. Although I wonder how. how I long am I,
0: like. I am a little worried. Like, there's been fan con- like so we we saw the first image of Pattinson as Batman in, in, in the mm-hmm. in the costume. And his emblem looks metallic. And some people were like, is that the metal that killed his, like from the gun that yeah. killed his parents? <laughs> and at no point did Matt Reeves say that's what it was. And I really hope that's not what it is. Cause it sounds, because that's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's very mopey. Well, it's very, it's, it's, it's more of that grim, dark bullshit. And a friend of mine sort of, um, speculated that the, like, It could be Warner Brothers coming in and being like, look at this grim, dark Joker. You need more of some of this grim, dark shit in your movie. I don't think that's how it works, um, but I could be wrong.
1: I was thinking about like, you know, oh, how exciting and Matt Reeves doing whatever he wants. And then also thinking about, I mean, okay, so for example, I interviewed Daniel Pemberton. who was the composer of Birds of Prey. Um, And it was genuinely a a really fascinating interview. I suggest you go and look for it. It's on Collider.com right now. But he was saying uh and he has done like really great scores like for Steve Jobs and uh King Arthur and Man from Uncle, stuff like that. Um as he was in the scoring process, like he it was mandated that the movie had to have a soundtrack so that they could put out a soundtrack. So it had to have songs. And so he was pretty candid in talking about kind of the push and pull between like, well, I was hired to compose a score, but now the studio, because they own, you know, a music label, wants to put out a soundtrack. Therefore we have to remove some score or we have to insert pop songs, or I have to write songs that can be sung that can then go on the soundtrack. And so like the other day I was thinking about like, Oh, it's cool that Matt Reeves is doing the Batman. And then I was like, well, like Batman is one of, if not the most valuable. Well, no, not the most valuable. He's one of the most valuable IPs in the entire film industry right now. So, like, I do wonder there has to be some sort of push and pull with the the corporate overboard. Yeah, the stakes could not
0: be higher for Batman. Like, I, I mean, yeah. Matt Reed... and
1: T is not going to be like, yeah, you know, do whatever you want. We don't really care about toys or ancillary revenues. Ancillary revenues.
0: Yeah, it's not like they're. It's not like they're like make it PG thirteen and you know, we'll be on our way. Like it's, you know, I mean now maybe if like he makes a Batman film and like this, this film is gigantic, he gets kind of that like Christopher Nolan room, you know, where they're like, all right, you proved yourself, you know, we're going to give you the latitude to make whatever you want. But, you know, you don't know, like these are huge, you know, IPs. And like, we've seen, we've seen this story before. I mean, I mean, it's great. Like Matt Reeves is like, isn't new to the blockbuster space, but like The thing about Planet of the Apes is that, like, Fox wasn't really like, you need to make a Planet of the Apes movie like this. Because at the end of the day, like, I love Planet of the Apes, but no one gives a shit how a Planet of the Apes movie turns out. As
1: evidenced by the fact that he was allowed to make War for the Planet of the Apes, like, one of the most depressing, like, dour, bummer
0: movies ever made. It's and I love him for that. I love him yeah. and I like I think that's what like I think Matt Reeves made Planet of the Apes movies that like those are what they should be. Like he yeah. he absolutely fucking nailed it. Mm-hmm. But like Batman is a different kettle of fish. And like it's it's one thing to be like, oh, I'll bring in all these villains and like I'll make it different. And like I'm sure his thing will like be its own thing. And you know, part of the delay in like making this film is like trying to find a new take on Batman, especially as like as he was making this, like Warner Brothers was like leaving behind the whole interconnected universe thing. Yeah. And then so it kind of becomes its own thing. And I'm glad, well, like,
1: what I'm curious about is like, was he actually writing a version for Ben Affleck? Was he actually writing a version to fit into the DCEU? Or did he come on and then, like, hush hush, they were like, just write what you want and we're going to get rid of this pretty soon?
0: Yeah, it'll, I'm not sure That's. those are all, those are all good questions. Those yeah. are all good so questions like, that are he should grass- be asked at the press junket, um, yeah. you know, for this film. Exactly. Uh, and then <laughs> theoretically, so there's also Aquaman 2, obviously that that'll, that's down the line theoretically, there's a Flash film coming. I don't fucking buy it at this point because Warner Brothers can't seem to crack the, uh, this character runs fast. Well, we can't make a movie on that. People won't understand. And so what year do you think, off the top of your head, do you know when Ezra Miller was cast as Flash?
1: Um, I think it was 2015.
0: 2014. 2014 he was cast Wonderful. as flash in 2014
1: <laughs> it's now been six years' it's been, it will it, have been like eight years by the time the movie it'll comes by the out. yeah
0: if assuming his movie does come out in 2022 it'll have been eight years from when he was cast to when he actually gets to be the star of his own film
1: that's pretty crazy
0: that's ridiculous I mean
1: it's no, it's no longer like young high schooler flash no we got to age him up a little
0: bit yeah <laughs> it I mean, I feel. I mean, I think Ezra Miller was like one of the highlights of Justice League as Flash. But yeah. I mean, what a what a disaster! <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, that movie has gone through a number of directors. And let's then let's, let's
0: count them off. So far, it was Seth Graham
1: Smith. Seth Graham Smith.
0: Then uh, it was uh, Rick Fujiyama.: Fu- Yeah, Rick Fe- uh Yes, and then um, Dalian Goldstein. Dalian Goldstein. And now we're on uh, Muschietti. Andy Muschietti, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And in between there, they were talking to people like Robert Zemeckis and
0: Matthew Vaughn and yeah, whatever. So. At, at one point, there was a treatment from Lord and Miller. Yeah. Who will probably get like executive producer credits on this film.
1: Just... Well, they were Warner Brothers' first choice. They were. America.
0: They were the top choice.
1: And then they got hired to make a Star Wars movie that they didn't get to make, so... Yes. That's why they left. But yeah, The Flash will be interesting if and when it happens. If it
0: ever happens. happens. Yeah. Um, and then, well, I'm trying to think, like, oh, and then, of course, there's Black Adam. There's Black yeah. Adam, which which should be That'll huge. That'll be a big deal. That'll yeah. be a big deal. I mean, d- just Dwayne Johnson be in a superhero film, that prints money. That will print yeah. money.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and then there's, you know, a Shazam sequel, which, sure, I guess, I don't know how that works because they were kids and whatever um an Aquaman sequel I guess the trench but they've got a lot of stuff in development there was like a Green Lantern Corps uh there's like uh an Aquaman spin-off horror movie
0: well and then of course this is the question of how much DC crap is going to get funneled into like first off they've had DC universe and I don't think that stuff has really performed in the way that they're, they were hoping like I think yeah. I think it's great that I think they do I think like you know Doom Patrol has a devoted fan base and like You know, Titans has its devoted fan base, but that's like CW numbers, if that. Like, that's very small. That is not, you know, if I'm running DC Universe, I want a Mandalorian size, everyone is talking about it hit, and you're not getting it right now. And now, you know, you have HBO Max on the scene, so that's going to demand... DC content from AT&T, AT&T is like, you got to pump out more DC stuff. So it's very weird how this is all going to sort of compile itself.
1: Yeah. Well, like, you know, if Ava DuVernay does make new gods, are they going to be like, well, let's just put that on and, uh, you know, Warner HBO max, whatever it's called.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's, and, and look, I mean, the thing is, is that everyone's watching Disney. That's, that's a thing like AT&T is not ignorant of what Disney is doing and they're going to see like, Ooh, how does, you know, how does, you know, WandaVision perform and how does Loki perform? And, you know, I mean, the thing is, is it's one thing to be like, well, you know, Warner brothers has given up their aspirations of an interconnected universe It's after the flop of justice league, but that was AT&T was not their owner then. Yeah. And now they are. And so what do they want? Yeah. That's uh, a major consideration,
1: and that is why you know mediocre HBO shows like Avenue Five are getting renewed for a second season, because AT and is having HBO change its entire business model.
0: So yeah, so that's depressing. Anyway, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about the past a little bit. Let's let's talk about Mask of the Phantasm. Um, so for those who don't know, there was in 1992 um, uh, they launched Batman the Animated Series and. What made Batman the Animated Series kind of distinct is that uh, really up until this point, so we had had the 1960s Batman, and then Batman had kind of been rebooted uh, into what Tim Burton's version was with Batman and Batman Returns, and then you have Batman the Animated Series. And Batman the Animated Series was ostensibly, you know, oh, it's a kid show, it's a cartoon, but they took a really art deco, gothic kind of take on this character that wasn't afraid to sort of look at the darkness of Batman. It wasn't like aggressively dark, but it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like frilly either. It was a, it was a a legit show. Um, and it, it, and it holds up beautifully today. I mean, the stories they were telling in the half hour format were, were terrific. And so the show is so popular that they are, uh, you know they have to. They, Warner Brothers like we're going to release a movie into theaters, it's, and so it's going to be called Mask of the Phantasm. And so, Mask of the Phantasm is is basically Batman the Animated Series transplanted to the big screen. And Adam, you only saw it recently this weekend, and were and and gave it a meh.
1: <laughs> I gave it a meh. So a. A couple years ago, I rewatched and ranked all of the Batman movies, and I have a ranking of it up on Collider.com. And everyone yelled at me that I didn't have Batman Mask of the Phantasm on there. And I said, what the fuck is Batman Mask of the Phantasm? I literally had not heard of it. Um, I did not watch Batman the Animated Series. I don't know why or how. Like, I was super into X-Men the Animated Series. Um, You know, I watched that, that Fox block, but for whatever reason, what was it on, like, the WB or something? It was on WB. Okay, I guess that's why. Because I didn't watch WP when I was a kid, um, but it just like completely like this is a massive um, blank spot in my head. Like just did not ever watch Batman the animated series. So uh, you know, with news of Robert Pattinson, I figured it was finally time to watch um, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Um, and are those the cops? Are they coming to get me? Because I yes. it.
0: I, I called I, the I, I called the police because you did not like Mask <laughs> of the Phantasm cuz I've never seen Batman the animated series. That's fair. That's fair.
1: Um and it's pretty good. Like it's all right. I just like I was under the impression cuz people fucking love this movie and I don't disparage anyone who loves it, but like it was kind of built up for me in this way and I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's like it's a pretty good Batman story and like it's it's nicely um crafted like it looks good uh i went to the wiki afterwards i guess it was originally supposed to be a direct to video uh thing and then they um told them they wanted to put it in theaters and like shortened the production schedule yes so they had to animate it really quickly um and it's like a i do think it's a really interesting way to tell the batman origin story um with these flashbacks that are kind of like citizen kane in nature um which I thought was fascinating. And, you know, the villain twist is, ca- is kind of interesting. And obviously Kevin Conroy is cool as Bruce Wayne, Batman. But I was just kind of like, yeah, cool movie. Like, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, so I am asking you, sure. Michael, a fan of Batman Mask of the Phantasm, why does everyone love this movie so much?
0: I will meet you halfway on this one. I don't think it's like, like, honestly, I think there are episodes of Batman the Animated Series that are better than Mask of the Phantasm, Um, but that being said, it's obviously, you know, you have 22 minutes to tell a story versus 90 minutes to tell a story. Yeah. Um, but I think that like that sort of that love kind of overlaps, like, I don't think there's anyone who's like mask of the phantasm is great, but I don't really care for the animated series. I think if you, if you love the animated series, you probably love mask of the phantasm. Um, and I think that kind of glosses over some of its weaknesses. I think the biggest weakness for me in mask of the phantasm is the Joker of it all, Um, I feel like he's kind of shoehorned into the story in a way that doesn't necessarily kind of work. Like I think he's there because he's Batman's biggest villain and the the film then kind of tries to work about like, okay, well how do we get Joker into this story that we're telling? But that being said, I think what mask of the phantasm understands that I think a lot of Batman movies have missed. Um, and the the, sort of the core question. And I think Glenn Weldon did a great job of getting to in his book, uh, the Cape crusade, which is when you're telling a Batman story, what, who is Batman? And so if you look at Batman as like taking as a story that took that, that could conceivably take place in our world, then Batman is just a crazy person. And like, that's how Tim Burton views him. That's how I probably Chris, I think Christopher Nolan views him. Like Batman is crazy. Um, And
1: he's a bit militaristic in Nolan's view, I think.
0: Yeah, militaristic as well. But like, he's basically yeah, he's a crazy guy. Um, Like, because you'd have to be to dress up as a bat and fight crime. That sounds crazy. And what they miss is that the core of Batman is not that he dresses up in a bat or that he was inspired by a bat. The core of Batman is that there is an oath, and the oath is that Batman. Pledges on the memory of his dead parents to never let anything that happened, like that happened to him, happen to someone else. That is the oath, and I think what Mask of the Phantasm does very well is so show how Batman wrestles with keeping that promise. And I think that makes it a more emotional story than other films have gotten to. I don't think any no other Batman film has ever shown Batman in a, like, there'll be times he's like, maybe I'll hang up the, you know, like, like he meets a nice lady, like he meets, you know, Elle McPherson or whoever in Batman and Robin. He's like, maybe I'll quit (laughs) being Batman for you. You know, but like, like it's like, I want to quit being Batman because I'd like, you know, and I think, you know, that the, the pull of domesticity, but I think Mask of the Phantasm, what it does better than any other Batman film, and that's not to say it's the best Batman film, but what it does better is show... That at his core, Bruce Wayne is still kind of that broken little kid who just wants to sort of make things right for his parents, and he can't. And I think that's a really strong aspect of Mask of the Phantasm.
1: I think that's fair. I did like the um, mirroring of... Okay, if you haven't seen Mask of the Phantasm, I'm going to spoil who the Phantasm
0: is now, because um, I have to, to kind of talk about this. The movie came uh, out like 25 years ago, people. You know, let's... But I hadn't seen it. That's so true. That's if someone, true. If I'm just waiting. saying in terms of a statute of limitations.
1: Yes. I'm giving a fair spoiler warning now. So if you don't want to know who the Phantasm is, uh, turn this off and come back after you've seen it. I rented it on the band. It was fine. It was like 3 bucks. Um, But what I found interesting was the mirroring of, uh, his quest for vengeance in Andrea's quest for vengeance as, uh, the phantasm herself, who's come back and is kind of, uh, revenging her father's death and what happened to her and her family, um, by killing off all of these mob bosses. Um, and then seeing how, like, I think there was a point towards the end of the film where he's like trying to tell her that like, you know, this kind of thing won't make you feel better. Um and i thought that was i thought that was a fascinating dichotomy that maybe could have been explored a little bit more but i think that's a i think that's an interesting um aspect of batman that makes batman returns one of my favorite batman movies because you have that with catwoman um you know she's someone who also experienced severe trauma and also is uh dressing up to kind of avenge that trauma but she has a different set of rules and a different set of goals of what um you know, will fulfill her and make her um, ostensibly feel better about herself. Um, so I don't know. I've always found that aspect interesting, and I thought I liked that aspect of, of this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do like it when films are sort of like, why does Bat? What makes Batman special? You know, yeah. like, why is he the only one who gets to do that? And <laughs> Dark Knight just answers, "I'm not wearing hockey pads," <laughs> so he yeah. calls it a day. <laughs> I do think, in terms of the domesticity, though, Dark Knight
1: and to some degree, Dark Knight Rises. Um, dig a bit into that uh i don't think they dig deep enough Mm -hmm. but i did like the way that rachel was used in dark knight as kind of this like you know at the end of batman begins it feels like maybe they're gonna possibly live a life together but probably not and then in the dark knight it kind of shows bruce pining for this life that he can't have um and then with her you know, removed him feeling responsible for it and everything. Um I always thought that was, that was an interesting aspect of it. And something that doesn't, you know, hasn't really been delved into uh super deeply um in a lot of the films. So, you know, that's, that's also something I appreciated about this film.
0: So, yeah. So I, I think there's, I don't know. I think Massive of Phantasm, I liked it more than you did, but I would also say like, If I could, I could easily name 10 episodes of the animated series that I like more than Mask of the Phantasm. I don't think it's a bad film. I just think that the series, I think accepting that the series is kind of the stronger thing, whereas Mask of the Phantasm is very a good expression of the series, but not like, like, it's not like the movie is better than the series. You know, that's what I would say.
1: Well, and maybe the fact that I haven't seen the series is why the like I just didn't really get what made the film so special. Like it's solid, it's you know middle of the road Batman for me. Maybe maybe middle upper tier Batman for me. You know you know up there with The Dark Knight and Batman Returns, um, but. You know, it's not something that's just like, oh man, this is vying
0: for the number one slot right. for me. Right, I get it, and that's fair. That's fair. That's this so has right. been the, this has been a fierce debate over Fan Mask of the Phantom. I am right. Blah. all right. So, um, so yeah, but I would I would highly recommend if you haven't seen it to to check it out. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I guess it will be streaming on. Uh, HBO Max, or maybe it's streaming on DC Universe. Who knows?
1: I'm, I'm sure it's streaming on DC Universe now. But yeah, I, um, uh, I imagine it will be on HBO Max.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, I would say that's about it for this episode. Um, unless you want to... Re- I guess your recently watched was Mask of the Phantasm, and we we delved into that pretty thoroughly.
1: Yes. So, yeah. That's... Well, uh, That's the big new one I watched recently. Yeah,
0: we'll leave it at that. Uh, If you want to give up this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Adam, where can we find you on Twitter? At Adam Chitwood. And you can find me at Matt Goldberg. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you next week.